Canada's gun problem is on the rise. The latest statistic shows a 42% increase in violent crimes involving firearms since 2013. The hardest hit city in our country is Toronto, but it doesn't end there. Today on Context, we'll talk with police, frontline workers, victims and researchers to get answers on the root causes of gun violence and find out what can be done about the growing number of gun-related deaths in Canada. That's next on Context. We begin in the West, where Saskatchewan has the highest gun-related homicide rates in our country. Take a look at this. The two biggest cities here are Saskatoon and Regina. They've seen some of the highest gun-related violent crime rates. And as you can see on this graph, the rates are highest in Winnipeg. And we'll have more from Saskatoon in a moment. But first, Regina Police Chief Evan Bray joins us to tell us what is happening in his city. Chief Bray, you call the use of illegal firearms in your city a monstrous issue. What's going on? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. It's something that we're dealing with daily. It's not even a weekly problem. It is a daily issue for us at the police service. Um, we've seen an incredible increase in the number of firearms that are not only present in our community, but unfortunately being used. Um, violent offenses in our community that include obviously some serious incidents like homicides, but even used in the commission of offense like robbery, a lot of drug related crime. And so it is very, very prevalent and it's a challenge for us. Why do you think there's been the increase? The weapons are the issue, uh, but what's really at the root of this? Well, I, I think at the root of it, weapons are, are the tool that goes along with essentially a, a drug problem that we're having, not just in Regina and Saskatchewan, but it's sweeping across Canada. Opioids, fentanyl, meth, these are problems in our community. We also have some gang challenges in our community. So when you get that lethal combination of, of gangs and drugs, Unfortunately, firearms now are a part of that dialogue, and of course, that adds to the risk to the community. Okay, so uh, along with the fentanyl problem, the opioid crisis, you have begun assigning officers to work specifically on guns and gangs. What are you mm. hoping to discover? Well, it's no longer can police work in, in silos. No longer can we just have officers that work on drug issues or work on gang issues or firearms because they are so very interrelated. And so we do have officers that are really trying to dig in this from, uh, from a lot of different angles. And ultimately, enforcement is really only one part of this. And, and getting those guns off the street and holding offenders accountable is important, reducing victimization. But then how do we ensure that the recidivism problem doesn't continue? and that we don't have offenders getting out and reoffending, getting firearms out of the community so that they're not in the hands of people that are going to use them for criminal intent. Um, these are ways that we have to work with other parts of government, municipal, provincial and federal, and community-based organizations to kind of look at this from a social justice standpoint as well. That's really how we're going to make some meaningful change. Okay, so you're going to be the first. We're going to have a number of experts today that are saying we're neglecting the social issues. We're neglecting the neighborhood issues. Um, who's waking up to that voice there in Regina? Is it happening? Are you starting to see yes. societal healing? 
Yeah, absolutely we are. But the problem is this is such a big issue and it's it's resource intensive. I think the police see it very clearly because we're often called when things escalate to the point that, that we've got a serious incident happening and we need to come in and de-escalate the situation or deal with the risk in the community. And when you, when you calm everything down and you peel back the onion, you realize that the drug problem, the robbery, the home invasion, under, underneath the surface has addictions and family structure issues and perhaps mental health and all of these other real complicated social issues that are really wicked problems as they've been described and can't be solved by the police alone. Handcuffs are not gonna solve this issue. We do have to find ways to keep our community safe, but we have to work collaboratively with community partners. I do know that we've got some great momentum in our city and our province, but this is a long journey that we're on and we all have to be committed for the long haul. Okay, Chief Evan Bray from Regina Police, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So how do you improve the outlook on gangs and guns? Father Andre Polev co-founded Straight Up, a community organization to go frontline on the problem. And Owen Pelche is a former gang member and now part of Straight Up. They both join us from Saskatoon. Hello, gentlemen. And Father Andre, let's begin with you. What is your instinct on what is the behind this latest increase in crime and gang life in Western Canada? Well, I would think there's uh, several uh, reasons for that. Uh, one of the primary reasons that I've discovered over the years, working both at the YO, the Young Offenders Program, and uh, the Correctional Center, uh, the large number of uh, young men join the gangs while they are incarcerated. And uh, I think that needs to be looked at really seriously. Uh, young men that are picked up with the police for a B&E or for drunk driving or for being drunk end up in uh, YO or the, the provincial correctional center. And in there in order to survive, in order to uh, uh, be able to live their term safely, they're often pressured into a gang. So make, the, make the, jails, the jails safer. The jails have got to be safer. Well, no, the jails have to have a different vision of themselves, that they are, they are uh, more than correctional centers, they are healing centers. Healing. And now, yeah, we're not there yet. Right now we're still in a punitive and uh, control uh, centers. And uh, there is very little, though there's no treatment and healing that goes on in jails. They'll say there are programs of that effect, but programs don't help a, heal a person's sense of abandonment, of uh, you know rejection, of uh, racism, of the deep, deep, deep and profound uh, brokenness that they experience in their lives. Okay, Father uh, Andre, you've been a prison chaplain for years before you created Straight Up. Owen, oh, let's go to you for a moment. What were the reasons behind you joining Gang Life? <clears throat> yes, um, I joined the Gang Life for a variety of different issues. So. I was suffering from abandonment, neglect, uh, wanting a sense of belonging, just, you know, wanting to be accepted by someone and have a, feel like I had a purpose in life. And then, you know, like the racism and the discrimination, so wanting to feel I could belong somewhere where I wasn't going to be judged negatively. Okay, how did you two hook up with each other for healing? 
I first met uh, Owen in a treatment program, uh, and that's that's where good things happen. Is when young men and one young woman uh, deal with their issues. They go to a treatment program. They have time and, and the resources to look deeply into themselves, find out why they became uh, addicts, find out what they, they became criminal criminals. And uh, in a treatment center, that's where the things open. Okay. There's, and no, there's no other place. There's no other place for it to take place. Okay, Owen, was it hard to move into a treatment center? Is that a difficult journey getting in? Um, it could be challenging sometimes. The wait list is so when I phone, sometimes when you phone, they'll say, oh, you have to wait a certain amount of time. And it's discouraging because you're really struggling and you have the sense of vulnerability. So you don't want to hear that, know where you have to wait. But it, it could be challenging, but at the same time, when you get in, it's really a sense of empowering, empowerment, knowing that you're taking these steps to start your healing journey. So. And, and how long has this journey been for you, Owen? You're, you're a father, right? I'm a father of three, yes. And how long has your journey been, and how are you doing now? Well, I think, you know, when I first started my healing journey would have been in the spring of 2017. And then, you know, it's been rocky, and then, the last time when I met Father Andre would have been in la last year. I was in treatment when he came and did a straight up presentation there. And I asked that I wanted to join with them at that time. So I did the requirements and I joined with them. So it's been a year since I've been with Father Andre and straight up. And it's been really <clears throat> phenomenal and beneficial to me. I've been healing a lot and finding my way. And straight up has been really beneficial and helping me, guiding me, and, you know, providing the necessary resources to help me succeed. Oh, that's terrific. You know, we um, just had the Regina Police Chief on, and he said the problems need attention way before the police are called. And Father Andre, what kind of attention should we all be thinking about providing? Uh, in one word, it's relationship. Um, <coughs> nothing, nothing takes place, no healing takes place, no recovery that yeah. takes place unless a young person, the male or female, develops a relationship of trust, of confidence, of compassion, of respect. If there's none of that, the healing itself will, will not last. It has to be based on various forms of relationship. And there are various areas where that can take place. It can take place at, at a treatment center, it begins there. But then after that, and straight up, we insist that every member has a parallel support group to straight up whether it be their culture, their elders, whether it's AA, NA, whether it's church, whatever support system uh, matches that of straight up because relationships, without relationships, no healing is going to take place. At least that's, how, that's the way straight up operates. And is there a magic formula for making relationships happen? Respect, love, understanding, no judgment, all those values that are opposite of what they've experienced, which were violence, which were arrogance, which were uh, dishonesty. Uh, and so you, you have to shift the values that they lived for many years to positive, similar values, but that are positive rather than negative. And that's only based on relationships. You can't teach that, but you can experience it. Right. Father Andre in there in Saskatoon, Owen Pelche, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us. Welcome. 
Gun crime in Canada's largest city is also on the rise. Annette Bailey is an associate professor at Ryerson University in Toronto. She researches gun violence. Annette, your research indicates black youth are more likely to die in Canada or be injured by gun violence in Toronto. So what are the issues causing that demographic? Yes. So, Lorna, what we know that even without race-based statistics in Canada, uh, black youth are disproportionately affected by both gun violence injuries and death. Um, but let me say that not all black youth have a propensity to gun violence. We see that some youth living in socially vulnerable communities or neighborhoods who are exposed to uh, violence and who have very little support tend to have a more heightened involvement in drugs and gangs, gun carrying and gun violence. But importantly, my research is showing that trauma experienced by many of these youth who lose um, loved ones to gun violence, and that could be friends and family members to gun violence, experience trauma and this trauma then tend to have uh, a domino effect in gun violence retaliation. And this is why trauma care for uh, victims and, and witnesses and survivors of gun violence is such a priority. Okay, Th this is uh, so critical. Um, we're going to have someone involved in uh, trauma care coming up shortly. But first, let's take yes. a look at the crime stats. Like in five years, look at this increase in Toronto shootings. They've more than doubled in the past five years. What's being done for crime prevention, gun crime prevention? Hmm. Um, I, I would say that uh, the solutions that we are exercising at this point are not adequate enough. Um, we see that there is a focus on criminalization and imprisonment with less attention being paid to the root causes um, of gun violence in Canada. In addition to gun control um, and legislation, there has to be uh, a focus, I believe, on youth development and family support, school policy reforms to keep our youth in schools and out of gangs. It is important that we understand that no one commits uh, murder because of a predetermined trait. The multiple pressures that many of these youth experience in their uh, communities play out in their lives in ways that we're still trying to understand. You would call that community defense systems, correct? Yes. All right. And I find I it fascinating that your research falls under public health. This is a public health issue, isn't it? Yes, it is a public health issue for sure. All right. Uh, Professor Bailey, thank you so much. Fascinating. Thank you. Annette Bailey is a Ryerson University professor of public health science. The Jane and Finch community of Toronto sees the most number of gun shootings in Canada. Reverend Sky Starr created Out of Bounds to deal with the violence. She lives in the neighborhood. Uh, Reverend Sky, 64 people shot in your community last year. What, how is your neighborhood coping? Just, it's just terrible. Mothers and families and youth are just struggling. We're, we're always in crisis. 
you, 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 as part of Out of Bounds has been grief and trauma counseling for you. You see the aftermath in church. What's happening? People need to find a space where they can reach out, where they can get the support that they need. When, you know, in the community, like we respond to crisis right on spot, so they know that I'm there, they know where to find me, and they just come to find me when they need to. And the ripple effect socially, it's not like you think, okay, that headline's gone, but tell us just what continues in the community. Wow. Well, the trauma continues. Youth are struggling in school, truancy, not able to cope, not able to keep up with their schoolwork. Mothers who have children who have died are struggling to manage. Most of them can't go to work. Some of them just can't get up out of bed sometimes. So it's just if it's it's affecting everywhere, the churches, the community centers, the schools, and in the neighborhood in general. So we've heard about community building, neighborhood building. If tax dollars were to flow, six million were spent in Toronto just alone on prevention, what would you like to see? I would love to see them recognize the need. There's a need. There's an epidemic in our community. There's a need for health care. There's a need for support for youth and families. There's a need for the traumatic care. They have to recognize grief and trauma, gun violence trauma, as a mental health issue. I would love to see that happen. People don't go back to their jobs sometimes. Kids don't go back to school. Yep. Okay, so if we're going to put these pieces together, what does a family need to recover? They need the ongoing support. Usually everybody comes out when there's a shooting. After the funeral, everybody goes back to their lives. The mothers are there to deal and to pick up the pieces. They can't cope. Mm -hmm. The youth can't go to school. They cannot function. They need ongoing care. They need education. They need um, health support. They need continuous care. This, this is not a, like an eight-hour incident or three-day or three-month incident. It's a lifelong incident. And what does the church bring to it? You've created a community church. What, what, at the best of operations, what can a church family do? God is there. Like when people need hope, especially then, God is there. So people know to find, when I'm on spot, they know that our Reverend Sky is here. They know that I'm there. And they find me when they need the help. For many of the families who don't have a minister, I get to do the funeral. So I get to do this special part of speaking to people and saying, one of these days you're going to be there. Are you ready? And to give them God's love, to share God's love and God's grace to them. Well, we wish you all the best as you are front line in Canada's biggest neighborhood affected most by gun violence. Reverend Sky Star, thank you. Appreciate it. Still ahead, what is it like to survive gun violence? One woman's journey after being shot. Marcia Smith knows firsthand what it's like to recover from grief and trauma after a violent gun attack. Marcia, thank you for coming. Uh, in 1987, your stepfather shot your mother and yourself. Your mother did not survive. It's been 33 years. How did you process the gun violence in your life? Well, that was such a difficult time and it was so unexpected. And so, as you can imagine, the pain of losing my mother was just beyond uh, description. 
but the, the gun violence that occurred with me is nothing like what you see on television. And so initially I did not feel any pain other than tingling in my arms. And I went around quickly to where my mom was lying on the ground. And there, again, there wasn't severe pain. The pain came after the numerous operations I had to have. And so there is the physical difficulty of losing function of both your arms, needing someone to feed you and to bathe you. So that was difficult and required months of physiotherapy. You are a nurse. I'm you nurse. knew about this, but the whole system of suddenly being completely dependent on healthcare was overwhelming. It was. It was very challenging for a very independent person as I was. And as I began to um, learn how to, even something as simple as write my name, that took a journey. It caused you, as you healed, you had to actually change jobs. You went from active nursing to desk nursing. Yes. And as you watch all of this increase in gun violence, what goes through your mind as you're seeing how it's increasing in Canada? What, what goes through your mind about what families are coping with? Well, my first thought basically goes towards the families, because whenever I listen to the news and I hear there's another shooting, I think of the mother, the father, the sisters, the entire family and the pain that they are dealing with right away. And I often would say a quick prayer and I say, Father, help them. Because firsthand I know that it was God's grace and his gift towards me that enabled me to walk through this journey. You, you, you've said you've had to forgive. Mm -hmm. How important was that? I think that is critical to how I came out of the other side of this. And I had this experience when I was in the hospital, lying in bed with both my arms in a cast, unable to care for myself. Someone came to my hospital room and the curtain was half drawn. I saw the footsteps. They called my name, but they didn't enter. And as I turned my head the other direction, I had this overwhelming sense I had forgiven my stepfather. I could not explain it, and I wouldn't tell it to anyone for the longest time, because in my mind, it didn't make any sense that you could forgive somebody who murders your mother and left you injured in this state. But that was the foundation for you beginning then, going back to church and starting to investigate what you do for soul care. Yes. An important part of your journey? Definitely. Um, I, in the hospital, I sat across, um, my bed was, a, you know, Jesus hanging on the cross. And the I Catholic could, hospital. The Catholic hospital. So they hospital. had those symbols, yes. That's right. And I began recalling all that I was taught in Sunday school as a little girl. And I began talking to, to Jesus. And I began all of the questions that I had about him and why this happened to me. Then I began going to church with my family. And that made the biggest difference in my life. Because a few months later, um, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that changed everything. And it eventually changed your journey to healing. You left nursing and you are now a pastor. Yes, what do. does the church have to bring to the gun violence problem in Canada? I believe the beautiful gospel message of Jesus Christ, the peace, the joy, and that makes the difference in everyone's life. When you have learned how much God has forgiven you, then you can extend this forgiveness to others. And once we are freed from unforgiveness, the pain, um, the bitterness will go because we then receive God's healing. He not only heals us physically, but he also heals us emotionally. And that's what he did for me. And that made the difference in my journey 
whenever I encountered people, they expected me to be sad and depressed, but I was filled with the joy of the Lord. And it may not have made sense to other people watching, but for me, it made the biggest life change, accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior, receiving his forgiveness, and then being able to extend that forgiveness to others. Well, Pastor Marcia Smith, thank you uh, for surviving. Thank you for forgiving and thank you for teaching us today there's new beginnings. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Gregory Williams grew up in Toronto's Jane and Finch area, a neighborhood known for its high violence rate, especially among young people. Uh, Gregory, um, why Jane and Finch, that part of North York, it's being marked as the worst area in Canada in North York for police violence. Why, what's the trouble there? I think partly it's because of the poverty that's going on there. And kids are always trying to look out, look for something that will bring a way out, something that will change things. So if it's not gonna be sports, guns, money, drugs, those are things where they can see an outlet of how to get out of their situation. Okay, we are advocates of saying the church has got to get involved in the neighborhood. We don't mm -hmm. want the guns in the church, but yeah. how do you put the church where the guns actually are? Well, you got to reach the kids where they are. So getting into community centers, getting to sporting events, you know of any young people that may um, have friends that are in those neighborhoods, you want to go to their sporting events, introduce yourself, talk to them, engage them. Don't get into the mindset where you're trying to find a way to bring them to church because kids will pick up on that marketing technique and they will start to resist it, especially if they're not from a Christian um, household. And so the, what, the, what the church needs is authentic community workers exactly. who actually go hang out exactly. and find a place to just listen to the kids, talk to the kids. Exactly. Okay, you were, you could have been one of those statistics and you, tell, tell us why you looked at the gun violence of your friends and said, I'm out. Well, the first thing is that when it comes to gun violence and it comes to selling drugs or anything like that, it looks very shiny. It's attractive because that's where all the popularity is. That's where all the girls are. So you want to go there. But when it got to a certain point where a lot of my friends started to really get locked up, some of my friends started catching some real serious charges. One of my closest friends ended up dying. Like these were situations that I had to that made such an impact on me where I had to evaluate where I stand in life. And I had to ask myself, like, is this really who I am? Like, am I just pretending? Am I just trying to be something I'm really not? Is this what I was really created for? And it was from that standpoint that I started to take little steps just to go into a different direction with God and say, okay, God, if you're real, then walk me through this. And then that's how I ended up here. You know, thank goodness you had a father who was a pastor mm -hmm. but what about all those kids who don't like look how close you were to the yeah. edge of violence in a violent neighborhood yeah. what about kids who don't and families who don't have pastor dad and that's the thing this is why the church um, has to get out of the mindset of trying to get everybody to come to church when i look at jesus and i look at the apostles and i look at how even jesus taught the disciples he said i'm going to make you fishers of men and you know if you want to fish you got to go to where the fish are he didn't try to get everybody to come to the synagogue he went out to where the multitudes were that's where the, that's why the multitudes started to follow him so when you start to just engage kids where they are where they're hanging out even if it might look ugly it might stink it might not look even safe if you get to where they are and you're willing to hang out with them you're willing to disciple them where they are then eventually they might want to come to your church or you might end up starting a church right there where they are. 
All right, community trust, community presence. Mm -hmm. uh, Gregory, thank you so much. All the best as you uh, work with that kind of cutting edge work on gang violence. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. We learned today that family can help pull us out of the damage caused by gun crime. But what about those that don't have good family or any father figure? There is a good father that we can all have and who we all need. I'm talking about God, who enters our life when we accept that Jesus died for all the bloodshed and the mistakes we've made. When people choose to believe this, they can find a forgiveness and a life-giving spiritual family. Call our prayer lines. They're available 24-7 at 1-866-273-4444 if you want that help in finding forgiving, life-giving Father God. Well, for all of us at Context, I'm Lorna Duick. Thanks for watching and for sharing the show. That was our full show that's posted every Thursday on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get our weekly episodes and web exclusives.